This is Scheme to Death with noted college football columnist Murph Baldwin delving deep into scheme and personnel as only he can do. And now, your host, Murph Baldwin. Baldwin. What is going on, folks? You are tuned into Scheme to Death, Trojansports.com podcast. I'm your host, Murph Baldwin. You guys should know me by now. (laughs) The infamous, as they like to call me. Well, as long as you don't call me the notorious, unless you're referring to Biggie Smalls. Because if you're referring to Conor McGregor, then I might just be getting my ass whipped by Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) But man, I know you guys are excited out there in Trojan sports land or just Trojan fans, period, because, man, it's palpable. You can feel it. Trojans better well be in the college football playoffs, and I think it will happen. I think this will be... A very fruitful year For the men of Troy Man can you imagine College football playoffs Ohio State Alabama of course Man Couldn't even think of a third team At least at Right about now But man you would have to put one of those teams Being guys from L.A. This should be, I think, an even more complete team than it was last year. Just for the fact that you already know you're not coming into something with your eyes closed, hoping it may go a certain way. You already know who your quarterback is this time. You already know his style of play. You already know that he's perhaps the best in college football. He's definitely on a short list. But you know your particular style of play And you know that you're going to need to run the football Got that retooled offensive line man I was digging the depth chart out there At your man At right tackle Chuma Idoga At right tackle I was thinking he was going to be a left tackle But no that's Toa Lobendon Toa Lobendon at a left tackle Man I'm intrigued To say the least I'm also intrigued by my man Chris Brown at a left guard. I think he's an underrated athlete. I think he's going to do good there at a spot that's prototypically your spot where you would put your athlete. Nico Fala at center. We already know what he's about. Same thing with the right guard, Viana Talamaval. So you would think from left to right, man, that's, that's pretty darn pretty Darn formidable If you ask me Wasn't a bad offensive line last year By any stretch of the imagination At times it looked really good Um, But you felt like I hate to say it With like a, a Zach Banner As good as he was And as heralded as he was I think that His ability to get out In his kick step phase Fast enough 
and some of the concepts they would like to run, mainly in the running game, being able to combo up to the next level, you're running your outside and inside zone, that he would be a little bit more of a liability than you thought, and especially against some of these pass rushers that were trying to run the yard and beat you with speed. Um, I did various film studies last year at Trojansports.com. Speaking of, man, if you're not a member of Trojansports.com, I don't know what you're doing. If you're listening to this and you somehow found this bad boy, you want some great analysis, I'll be there. Trojansports.com, I'll, I'll be doing my thing a lot more than I did last season or off season, whatever. But, man, you already have the best beat writer in the business, and Adam J. Maya, um, and one of the better recruiting people I've ever seen. And that's the publisher, Chris Swanson, my man, Swanee. I think it's just a great team, man. They're giving you some of the best coverage that you can see in USC media. Definitely a lot of the USC media out there, some notable guys out there and everything, but nobody's doing it better than Trojansports.com. And you can take that to the bank. So if you follow me over the years at Trojansports.com, Know that I'm very much into uh, the bare bones of it, the infrastructure of the game, uh, being able to bring you closer to the game. Um, and I absolutely love trench play. Uh, that's where the game is won. You know, I know I'm out here in Pac-12 land as a Southerner, one of them Southerners. And obviously around here, most of the people in the SEC, ACC, known for their line play, or out west, you're known for your your skill players. Um, not to say that great skill players don't come from the South or anywhere else, for that matter. Or not to say that great trench players or offensive linemen, defensive linemen, edge players don't come from out west. But the fact remains is when you get into the college football playoffs, you're gonna be you're gonna be able to go against some of the some of the best players imaginable in the trenches. And if you're not up to par with that trench play, uh, you might as well pack it in straight up. So I'm intrigued by USC's trench play on both sides of the ball. I like the offensive line as it pertains to the type of concepts it will run. Just like I, I mentioned before. Uh, on the offensive um on the offensive line as far as the run game goes inside zone outside zone split zone uh some of the power concepts i've seen power o i, I will get into these concepts more and more as the weeks go by when i do these advanced scouting podcasts here on scheme to death um i'll be talking about western michigan today and giving you some concepts that it's it's coach ran previously when he was the offensive coordinator at Syracuse, some stuff that might crop up on film. This is a, I would say this is a pretty dangerous game considering how good Western Michigan was last year. It returns a lot of its, a lot of its core players. Uh, I was missing some of the top flight players that it had last year. Um, being that crazy receiver it had, um, ended up being a second round pick, I believe. But, it's just the fact that now you have a new staff at Western Michigan and you just don't know exactly how it will convey itself. Wasn't able to find any spring game footage per se. So the next best thing to do is to see what the head coach did previously and what the offensive coordinator did previously. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But I wanted to finish talking about this depth chart. So obviously it's USC 
primarily has been known for defense too. A lot of the skilled players get a lot of love out there. And um, I must mention still on the offense side of the ball, Jalen Green being at the top of the depth chart. I love those quarterback turn receivers. Man, there's some really good ones out there. There's one at Tennessee. Um, my man came in. Uh, they quickly realized that he wasn't going to be a quarterback, and he made the switch to wide receiver, man. And now he's one of the best in the country. I believe Jalen Green has a chance to be that very athletic guy, very heady guy. I like the way he gets in and out of his breaks. You can just see him steadily improving year after year, especially when you watch some of the stuff that he does in the offseason and when you watch some of those Trojan drills uh, when they when they get together in the buddy system, when the players run the when the players run the practice. Uh, Jalen Green looks like he can't be stopped. Deontay Burnett, we know what he's about. Same kind of player. It's funny to see that those two guys, along with Stephen Mitchell, are at the top of the depth chart. When you think about those big, big old Trojan receivers from from years past, but now you can see, man, it might be some straight real West Coast stuff going on here, where you need people to cover. I mean, uncover quickly uh, in your in your quick game. So whether that be uh, your sharp slants, uh, your your shallow digs, your your shallow crossers, uh, your your mid range game with the digs, um, some of your screen game and now routes, all these concepts that you know that USC is going to run because Sam Darnold is able to get the ball out of his hand really fast, and you want to bring the offensive line along a little bit faster. Then man, you want some guys who can uncover quickly, and those three guys can do that. I'm definitely looking to see what some of the bigger guys or some of the younger guys do. Um, you know the tight end is going to be involved as well, but as far as the receivers go, man, Michael Pittman, he was looking good out there um, in the offseason. My man, Josh Amater, baby, a uh, kid that I've known for a while, um, done a lot of studying on him, seen him play live a whole bunch of times, had him on my podcast, um, some other podcasts when I was covering other teams uh, quite a few times. Very nice kid, but man. What a freak. He is an absolute freak, and you can expect this kid as a redshirt freshman to make his way up the depth chart. I wholeheartedly believe that, and that's not being biased. So, I don't know, man. The, the Trojan receiving corpse is definitely deep, as always. You know, that's not even counting someone like Joseph Lewis, who's a big-time prospect, um, a Rivals 100 player. I believe he might have been a high four-star I'm not really big on the on the star system. It's not really my thing. I just like to evaluate myself. I trust my judgment um, when I'm able to watch some of these kids at the high school level. And, and that guy was a freak, an absolute freak. So imagine he's not even really in the rotation right now. And Tyler Petit at the tight end, we know how good he is, man. Um, blocking, you know, to be to be. On this particular Trojan team, with what it wants to do, I know it wants to run the ball. Talk to uh, Coach McCullough, the new running backs coach there, came over from Indiana where they ran the ball something serious. Man, he's got some guys, some freaks that are going to be a factor, obviously in the run game, but in the passing game as well. One Rojo, <laughs> as he's known, <laughs> as he's affectionately known on Trojansports.com, Ronald Jones, Rojo. Um Nothing much more to say about this guy. We know he's going to be a freak. Stephen Carr, I'm so excited about. I'm extremely excited about Stephen Carr. Saw him work at the Rivals five-star challenge here in Atlanta when he came uh, last summer or the summer before last, however you want to phrase that. He can be an inside-outside threat. 
just like a Ronald Jones. Very explosive, very shifty, has a nice spin move, can break down and dislocate your ankles, can run you over. He's physical, very Ronald Jones-esque. But, man, you got a guy who can tie it all together in Aka Cedric Ware. That's a three-headed monster for, for you right there. I can definitely dig that. Especially when you're talking about a team that is a zone-based running team. Uh, go back and see if you can check the article where I talk and see if USC is the best zone outfit in the entire nation when you consider its personnel on the offensive line. One of the few offensive line that doesn't have just big hog mollies in it. A lot of guys, even... I guess outside of a Telemavile or even Chris Brown, who who's a little bit bigger now than he was before. But most of the guys are under 200 pounds. You got a freak like Chuma Idogo, who I think, man, could be a, a early round draft pick eventually. Man, I hate to say or hate to see that EJ Price left and went to Kentucky because, man, this would have been perfect for him. So I don't know about that, man. I digress on that one. But yeah, man, so. You know what the offense is going to be about? Daniel Matabebe, too. He looked like a freak. He's uncoverable. I covered a kid just like him and David Njoku at the University of Miami, and he reminds me of that, just a freak athlete. David Njoku is about to be a, a potential superstar in the NFL. But, man, it's all about that defense, like I said before, man. And the defense to me, obviously, last year, let the team down at times. It had a real poor showing to me in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Even though Penn State has a, a very good offense, uh, a very tricky offense to defend, one of those spread power type teams. But you would have to think with the amount of talent on the Trojans' defense and it being able to fit now in his second second year in the scheme, and you see some of these guys propping up, cropping up like a John Houston Jr. I couldn't wait to see what they would do with this guy. Inside, outside, uh, he could play either, but they're putting him on the inside. And, man, you know, a freak like that, a fast freak like that, man, he's going to he's gonna go well. You're going to need some of those guys who can disengage from blocks, stack and shed some linebackers, but you're also going to need those guys like John Houston, Houston Jr., who's just a crease, a crease mongler. He's just going to find those creases, be able to stop, stop plays from behind, more of your weak side inside linebacker, a tackling machine, I'm excited to see what he could do. Uh, we know about Porter Gustin and Uchenna Nuosu on the edges. I'd like to see a little bit more production from those two guys as far as getting the quarterback on the ground. Pressures are cool, but, man, I've seen quarterbacks strive under pressure. Heck, go look at Aaron Rodgers' uh, quarterback stats against the blitz or quarterback stats when he's under pressure. He can detach from the pocket, and it ain't nothing but a thing. So we got to get those guys on the ground. Uh, the Trojans have to get those guys on the ground, and um, those are definitely two good players there. So I really like what they're about. Man, Uchenna, he, he surprised me last year. He he did very well, very well. But, man, you got Rasheen Green coming back. Knock on wood, he can be exactly who we thought he might be eventually. Imagine if that happens with him playing at a five technique. Or him playing, as you see last year, they definitely did a lot of their off front, but they were in the they were in the even front a lot as well. They they switched up the coverages 
and they on the back end and they switched up the front and, and, and provided teams with different looks as well. And you had your man Stevie T. Now you got the Stevie Two Jr. and Josh Fatu. We'll see what's going on with that, man. But be able to hold that point of attack with a zero technique, a, re- a real squatty guy like that. We've seen what it, what it did for the Trojans that time on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of those guys that f- flow to the ball, Cam Smith, a lot of them to float, float to the ball. But, man, that's secondary. This may be the strength of the team. And it's funny to say that because at times uh, – mm, I still think that the Trojans had a, a difficult time, despite the talent, defending the pass on teams that we know can actually pass. Of course, you want to talk about your man, Iman Marshall. Will this be his year to finally step up? He had a better year last year than obviously he did his freshman season. I still think there are some things that he inherently struggles with when the ball's in flight. But, man, he's a very physical kid. I actually was wondering if he would be moved to a safety, but the safety position is pretty deep. And he showed himself to be a formidable prospect or just a worthy prospect. I'll put it that way. If he could put it all together, man, it's lights out. Absolutely lights out. You got that crazy freak Jack Jones. I mean, what can this guy? He's a smaller guy or whatever like that, but, man, he's so athletic. And you need that back there with the loss of a Dory Jackson. So I was wondering where some of these guys would fit. If you tell me that you were trotting out a uh, secondary with Amon Marshall, Jack Jones, my man Marvell Tell at a, at a safety, especially a safety spot where there's duality amongst the back end. So he's pretty much playing a free or a strong Chris Hawkins, a guy that can, he can slide in nickel situations. He can play the strong safety. A um, bunch of cornerbacks out there. To me, it's like a a, a secondary that's full of corners because it's that versatile. So the safeties can be corners. The corners can be safeties. That's what you want in a defensive backfield. I was interested to see what, what someone like Jamel Cook, some of these guys can add some size and guard the tight end. Big six foot four guy. So he's look like he's climbing the depth chart. He's actually at a cornerback which is crazy to think about six foot four cornerback. You have my man, Bubble Bolden, Bubble Bolden. That's another guy that I've seen work, uh, man. Mm. <laughs> so I can say but there is a ton of talent. You have to say this is one of the top five most talented teams in the entire country. And that's the way it should be. Uh, college football is just a better place when teams like the Trojans are at their best. All right, but let me take a quick break, and we're going to come back and break down exactly what I saw from Tim Lester's offense the last time he was an offensive coordinator and how that may translate how that may translate to what we see from Western Michigan. Let's go. So like I said before with Western Michigan Head coach Tim Lester Last at Purdue but Was an offensive coordinator for Syracuse And Man what 2015 2016 Something like that Now remember doing a game Covering a game When I was having to watch uh, 
some Clemson film for some other teams that I cover. And I remember watching this game. I always love watching games at Syracuse and that Carrier Dome, man. It reminds me of the old school. My man Donovan McNabb was there. I just love those dome-type games. Being from Atlanta, you, you can pretty much get where I'm coming from with that. So, obviously, Clemson was on its way to being in the national title game. I actually have something coming out on this on TrojanSports.com where I break down these concepts um, through GIFs, GIFs or GIFs, however you want to say that. So you can see exactly what I'm talking about from um, from Tim Lester. So Tim Lester is a former quarterback himself. His offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator right now is Kevin Johns, who was last at Indiana. Um, and you know how Indiana gets down if you guys watch any of the Big Ten football. You're talking about some crazy run concepts, just overall balanced offense. And, of course, now the former head coach of Indiana is at Ohio State which could be a team that USC could see in the college football playoffs. But, man, I have to say this. They normally operate out of cheetah personnel, which would be 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, which leaves three receivers. So there's a lot that you can glean from that. Um, If you're able to get a really good running game out of cheetah personnel, you're probably going to start mashing foods just for the fact that normally teams would counter with an extra – defensive back to combat that third receiver. So I'd like to go with an X and Z receiver. Of course, X uh, receiver is normally on the line of scrimmage. That's got to be your route guy. He's got to be able to cover, uncover quickly, um, like a lot of the guys you see at SC right now. And you have your Z receiver, cat that's off the line of scrimmage, and he's more of your motion guy. He's more like your Juju Smith-Schuster or what I could see uh, Josh Amatrebebe being and some of the other guys that you've seen at SC, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, was my, one of my all-time favorite players, probably top three all-time favorite players. I used to call myself Keyshawn when I was in school, man. I love that guy so much. And, um, you know, guys like that, Big Mike Williams would be considered that as well. Then they have your super position or your slot position. It's going to be your do-it-all mid-range type guy. But the way he had it, the the slot guy or, or, or your superposition in this particular concept, it was an RPO concept, a run pass option, which is pretty much a, a run call with a pass tag on the end of it. But it was out of a triple option concept. It was so cool to see, man. And they were gashing Clemson up with these type of runs as much as you can gash Clemson up because Clemson was absolutely loaded on defense. But it was just something that you don't normally see and having to develop pitch relation from a defensive standpoint is crazy to do on the fly if you haven't studied that concept i can't say that they brought this concept out before i would have to think so because they were running it so smooth so maybe clemson saw it and did get a little bit of time to game plan for it but if you're somebody like sc you just don't know what may be coming and if you're a team like western michigan that it's not going to be remotely as talented as usc uh, you're going to want to have to run some of these plays that that's more of a technique timing thing more than it being a physical thing too good i'm saying so the concept was you're optioning off the end man of the line of scrimmage like your normal zone replay there's zone blocking from the lineman up front so it's everybody's moving in concert everybody's moving in unison taking a zone step from the offensive lineman so there's more ways you can go with that. One of their normal plays I see that Tim Lester would run was a split zone. USC actually runs this concept too when it has an H back in the backfield. So 
It's like normal zone play, say going to Lucy's side, the left side, but your H back will come all the way around on the other side and block the end man on the line of scrimmage who is unblocked. So that's why they would call that a split zone. So I could definitely, I believe I may have done it before to look back in the archives, but I'll get it out there again to teach you guys a split zone concept. But so you had your normal zone read, right? And this was coming out of, uh, 20 personnel, two backs, no tight ends. So two backs in the backfield, both can carry the ball. So you don't know exactly who's getting the ball. There's some slider hand type stuff going on there with the quarterback they had. None of those guys are really that good, but that he was able to make it work. And so that's what I'm seeing right now at Western Michigan. He's going to be able to try to make it work with, with the quarterbacks that he has, even though he lost, like I said, perhaps the best quarterback in the school's history and the best receiver in the school history. One of the best receivers of all time. I believe he broke the NCAA uh, pass catching record as far as yardage goes. So you got both of these guys. You got a lot of eye dancing going on from the defense because you just don't know what exactly will happen. So on one of these, it's a package of plays. They'll build off of it. You'll option off the end man on the line of scrimmage and maybe just give it a, as a regular inside zone. But the quarterback could carry out the fake. And you could tell that if he carried out this fake, it was going to turn into a pitch relation play, meaning he was going to option off the other running back who was going to be running behind him. Or there's the the guy that I was trying to tell you about, the slot receiver who's running in orbit motion. This is running behind the play. Instead of your normal jet motion, you run in front of the quarterback. He's running behind. That adds another element to it to where if the other guy just runs along, he could be a lead blocker for the receiver, the slot receiver who could turn into a running back and catch a pitch on an option or the quarterback could keep it and run the arc or you can get peel back blocks from the both of them. And of course, you still have a receiver on the other side. It was funky, man. It was it was it was tough to even think about as somebody who played defense before defending something like that. Um, So that's one portion of it. And then they can turn around and they were running it out of a pistol. The same kind of split zone kind of thing but with the H back. Uh, they ran and this time the quarterback um, kept the ball and they optioned off the end man on the line of scrimmage. But the H back who was running along with the quarterback peeled back and sealed um, the oncoming defenders. And then the orbit motion man, uh, he filled the field defender that was coming in. Uh, man, he, he he crushed him, and that just left a nice a nice gap for the quarterback to run through on. So you think about a team that's a fast flowing team like USC, where you don't have the biggest of personnel. John Houston, Cameron Smith, these guys aren't huge. Uh, you do have uh, Fatu, who's a pretty big guy, but for the most part, you're built on speed. Uh, you got all those guys on the back end. Uh, these guys are built on speed. So if you want to get a defense like that going, and it's going to be the same. I'm not going to talk much about Western Michigan's defense. I, I don't think the defense can handle USC's offense. USC's offense is going to be one of the best in the country. Um, I saw when they was playing against Wisconsin, which offense is not even close to being the best in the country. They had problems with it just from a physical standpoint because you don't have the most physical kids over there. Uh, defense, uh, you definitely need a lot more talent. It's hard to scheme up a defense. You need talent on defense. So, 
not to say that you can't scheme. You you get some really good schemes out there on defense, uh, especially a lot of the stuff coming out of an odd front like USC runs, but they just didn't have the talent to stop that bruising run game of Wisconsin. And my man Corey Clement, I love me some Wisconsin football. Corey Clement and those guys were absolutely mauling them. So I, we could see the same from USC running its zone with its running backs. I can see Rojo getting off. I can see I can Cedric Ware doing his thing, as well as Sam Darnold detaching from the pocket and doing his thing as well. So, but from the offensive standpoint, from Western Michigan side, if they can get USC flowing one way and bend it back, they can get some super creases because USC is going to be flying to the ball. And usually when you're fast to the ball, technique goes out the window, assignments go out the window because you're just trying to get to the ball as fast as you can. Hopefully, this is not something that they put in. Actually, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not playing in the game. I'd like to see some good stuff going on. I'd like to see uh, people be able to defend something on the fly. Uh, Western Michigan, just like Syracuse, had some really good running backs back then. They have, some, they have two running backs that are coming back that pretty much had 1,000 yards. One in the back had 1,353 yards. Jarvion Franklin, big old guy, about six foot, 222 pounds, 225 pounds. Uh, he averaged 5.5 yards per carry for those 1,300 yards. And my man, Jamari Bogan, a littler guy, but he's small and stocky like Amari's Jones-Drews, about 5'7", 195 pounds. He had 923 yards with a 5.2 average. So you can do the do the math on that. Both those guys are chomping at the bit. And then there's another kid, uh, I forget his name, that everybody's high on. They have the ability to run the ball. And we know that USC has not been necessarily the best defensive run team I think it's hit or miss um depending on exactly who they're up against I think about the Notre Dame game and that man Josh Adams who I was trying to tell everybody about definitely got off there he may have had 150 something yards one of the carries like 80 or 90 yards or something like that but just the ability to man your gaps uh the ability to play assignment football on defense these guys will force you to do that. I think there's going to be a commitment to the run because Tim Lester, the head coach, seems like he's always been that. And Kevin Johns coming from Indiana. We know about them with their uh, – I think their, the rookie was second from the Chicago Bears. I forget what his name is, but he came from Indiana. He was second in the league in rushing to Ezekiel Elliott, and he was a rookie from Indiana. Uh, they got a guy here named Tevin Coleman for the Atlanta Falcons. He came from Indiana. And then they had another guy, I believe, get drafted in this past draft. So they, they specialize in running backs. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to get a little physical with USC. Can they toss them around like that? So my thing is always when, once USC starts defending the run like it's supposed to, man, it's going to be lights out. But this is definitely a team and definitely a test that we could see with those two 1,000-yard rushers, with them running out of cheetah personnel, with them – Varying the tempo, I don't know if they're varying the tempo right now because they're just starting out with a new staff, but you just never know. Uh, you What you want to do, it's almost like boxing, man. You don't want to throw full power all the time. You gas yourself out. But the same thing is about getting a rhythm or letting them get a beat on your rhythm. They start switching up the tempo, start doing some funky stuff. You just never know, but I don't expect it to really affect USC. I expect USC to actually make a statement against Western Michigan. It'd be a good team to make a statement against because of the record last year when they, when they had an undefeated regular season and did pretty good against Wisconsin in the bowl game. And we know USC lost to Wisconsin in the previous bowl game. So they had that in common. 
So we can see where that takes him. But they lost the the Corey Davis kid. So they have some talented receivers, but nothing that talented. I thought the Corey Davis, I mean, if he was here in this particular game, it would be a really good matchup with him and, and Jack Jones and Biggie Marshall. Or Iman Marshall. I don't know why I called him Biggie. I don't like calling him that. <laughs> we'll see. But I think the man probably would have got off, to be honest with you. Um, he's that good of a receiver, but I don't think they have that option now. So they will target the tight end a little bit, but mostly he's in there as a blocker and he's at the H back position and you can see him uh, working that split zone, like I said before, but I think they're going to try to run and try to get physical with USC, which sounds funny coming from a team from the conference that it comes from. But Hey, those guys are on scholarship too, right? So we'll see. But like I said before, USC comes and establishes itself in the run. It'll be lights out because we know Sam Darnold, once he starts developing the chemistry with these new receivers or these younger receivers or the receivers who are less experienced, put it that way, uh, then it's on. But USC needs and will be a run team to me. So we'll see. All right. But, man, I want to try to keep these things short. I don't want to try to drag on and on and on. So I know that you guys are – some of you guys out there are millennials and you can only pay attention so long. And some of you other guys are old as dirt and you probably pay attention a little bit too much and you get a little bit too over officious. You know who you are. <laughs> but once again, man, I appreciate you listening to this. I appreciate Trojansports.com for embarking on this endeavor and wanting me to do a podcast uh, to add to my list of podcasts. <laughs> I do MMA podcasts, podcasts on teams in the SEC and all over, man. So you can check me out wherever. You can follow me on Twitter at Murph Baldwin. That's M-U-R-F-B-A-L-D-W-I-N. Check me out if you have any questions there. Or if you have some questions on the message board, pass it along or shoot it over there to Adam and Swanee. And then I'm pretty sure they'll get back to me. And uh, we can wrap that way. But once again, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of Trojansports.com, get over there because it is the best SC coverage on the web. No doubt about it. Better than the stuff coming out of uh, these other sites too 24-7 I don't give a darn what the site is they're not messing with Trojansports.com alright but until next time I'll let you boy I'm out <laughs>